0: Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. The average person takes 20,000 breaths per day. If you're breathing indoor air, you may be inhaling pollutants that are wreaking havoc on your health. Top on that list is mold. Over 50% of the population suffers from mold sensitivity. This can cause all types of health conditions ranging from headaches, fatigue, dizziness to debilitating heart problems and even respiratory sickness. Could your house be making you sick? Joining us is indoor air quality expert, Michael Robino. He's gonna share how we can tell if we have a mold problem and how polluted indoor air could increase the risk of being hospitalized COVID-19. Don't panic. Michael is in the house to show us how we can take a needed breath of fresh air. And it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is considered one of the world's leading authority on mold remediation as president of All-American Restoration, he specializes in working with people who are immunocompromised or have acute and sustained reactions to mold exposure. He is a a council-certified mold remediator for IICRC and ACAC and is a contributing member and speaker for the Indoor Quality Air Association. Through his proprietary home detox method, he's able to get rid of the mold and the contamination it leaves behind. This includes removing mycotoxins, endotoxins and bacteria welcome to the show author of the book the mold medic and experts guide on mold removal Michael Rubino thanks so much for having me Oh, great to have you on the show you know uh, as I mentioned beginning we're talking something that's not really exciting and sexy it's mold it's the topic of mold tell us what inspired you to write a book dedicated to this topic
1: well I mean if we go back to that statistic you mentioned earlier uh, 20,000 breaths per day that's the average Amount of breath that somebody takes. You know, I could say with that statement that we consume more air than anything else on the planet—water, food, etc.—and uh, it's the last place we look at when we're, you know, talking about in terms of optimizing our health. So it's something that I that I definitely realize needs to be uh, more awareness out there um, in looking at optimizing our health. And um, I've been in the restoration space pretty much my whole life. My dad was a uh, restoration contractor mainly from fires, so. Getting to see things firsthand and and how we weren't doing things correctly, uh, it really got to that point where I said, you know what, I can't fix this problem one house at a time or one building at a time. Uh, I need to write a book to get the information out there.
0: Yeah. Talk to us about the different types of mold. Which one should we be concerned with? And what type of mold exposure is really not a big health concern?
1: So there's uh, three main types. You're going to have toxigenic, you're going to have allergenic, and you're going to have pathogenic. All of, none of those three types do you really want in your home growing at, uh, you know, quantities that are producing a lot, uh, getting airborne. Um, but then you have your common outdoor molds, which are going to be common outdoor molds, really. You, you're not, they're not going to impact your health in quite the same aspect as they will when there's a water damage event or mold accompanying bacteria, things like that. So uh, you want to stay away from the mycotoxin producing molds.
0: Right. And you mentioned the, the water, like that's kind of where we typically think about, you know, mold when we hear about mold. But what about like mold spores finding their way into the house other ways, you know, like maybe our clothing or clothes or even attaching to our pets? Is that a concern? Sure. Yeah, I, I don't
1: think that's a concern. Uh, you know, we're not we're not living in plastic bubbles, obviously. So what we're really concerned about is, is controlling the opportunity for mold to grow inside of our homes in the first place you're going to have mold that enters the house naturally, doors, windows, clothes, etc. You know, what we're concerned about is when you have an opportunity for that, for that mold that enters the house to then start growing and colonizing and producing more of it. That's when it really starts to get to unsafe levels.
0: Right. I know we hear so much uh, from the EPA on outdoor air pollution. We hear about that all the time. Why aren't they focused more on the air we breathe when we're indoors, which is way more toxic to the body. Yeah, that's a great question.
1: Uh, I mean, there was a lot of studies being done in the late 80s and 90s regarding mold and air quality and how that impacts our health. And um, there was a lot of lawsuits that ensued uh, with insurance companies, with construction companies, uh, really all throughout the 90s. And then in 2001, the CDC kind of walked back their sentiments and said, well, some people are allergic to mold. And uh, other than that, it doesn't really impact everybody. What's, what's really contradictory, though, is if you go and if you get off the mold page on the CDC and you type in particulate matter, it starts to talk about well any, anything smaller than 10 micrometers, which mold happens to be, by the way, about between two and four micrometers, anything smaller than 10 micrometers, the real, it has a real danger to the human body because it's so tiny, it goes right past the respiratory tract system and enters the bloodstream. And so when you have high quantities of mold, especially toxic mold. Uh, entering the bloodstream at that pace. It's really going to be debilitating for the body
0: Yeah, I'm curious is, is opening the windows of our house something that can help eliminate stagnant air and reduce mold forming in our homes Is that something you recommend?
1: It can yeah, I would say pay attention to the humidity when you're opening your you know your windows uh, Avoid avoid opening windows on you know humid rainy days uh, or on days where the humidity is is, is very very high Anything above 55% humidity kind of gets into that danger zone where mold can start to form.
0: Right. Interesting. As I shared with you before the show, a good friend of mine, Shemaine Nugent, and her rock star husband, Ted, went through a serious ordeal with mold. In fact, they were deathly ill and their entire house had to be demolished. Share with us, when is mold considered so bad it reaches the point of no return where it can't be removed and the occupants have to permanently leave their home?
1: That's a really good question. And I think it, it depends from person to person. Uh, there's certain uh, there's certain people that have an HLA-DR gene uh, where they basically can't detoxify the way most Americans can. And uh, with that being said, they're going to need to be a little more serious about vacating their home and doing remediation probably more thoroughly than the average person. It's really hard to identify a, a specific threshold. What I would say is listen to your body. I mean, if you if you're not feeling well, and that happens to be after you moved into a new place, or you know you notice some sort of water damage event that occurred at your place, uh, and you're not feeling well, I think it's a good idea to, to consider options of remediation, potentially moving out of your house, etc.
0: Right. Now, uh, I've heard that when there's mold in a closet, the clothes have to be destroyed. There's no way to get mold out. Is that true? Or there's got to be a way? Well, th- there's there's been some leaps and
1: bounds in technology over the past few years. There's a product called EC3. It's a laundry additive that can actually be added in with your clothes. And again, it kind of goes back to that sensitivity level. I've had clients who use that and they feel amazing. And I've had clients that are so sensitive that even using that, getting rid of 99% of it, even that 1% still lingering uh, is enough to uh, cause them th- some adverse health reactions. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of leaps and bounds in technology that could keep you to save your your belongings, but um, it really depends on the person.
0: Really does. I know a few months ago, I noticed mold growing on the shoes that I keep in my walk-in closet, and I purchased a product called Damp-Rid, which helps control the moisture level. But I'm going through this giant container every month, I'm having to keep buying it. Is this type of mold scenario growing inside of a closet fixable?
1: You know, you may have something going on behind the closet wall that's not immediately apparent to you. That's what's called a source. And what's happening is, I think, as that source continuously produces mold spores to get into the environment, anytime there's some moisture present in the air, uh, especially on a, on a porous item like a shoe, you're going to have mold growth there. And that's typically what happens when you have like these dark, damp closets with clothes and, and uh, certain porous items where mold just starts to grow.
0: Right. So in other words, what would I need to do? So the damp red works, but I'm going through a bunch of filling up with water. Is there something that could be permanent? What do I do? They're going to come in and do a test. Are they going to go into the walls? What was my next scenario would be?
1: Yeah, you, you may, in your exact scenario, you may want to consider uh, getting like a mold inspection done. Is, odds are you have something that you're not seeing that's, you know, behind the wall cavity somewhere inside that vicinity. That's creating this condition where mold's continuously growing. And without solving that problem, you know, minimizing the water intrusion, minimizing that problem, um, I think you're going to be going through that stuff quite a bit.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought. Let me ask you this. I know during the pandemic, we, uh, people have been spending more time indoors than ever. Share with us how our indoor air can be increasing our risk to being hospitalized from COVID.
1: Very good question. So you have, there's two medical journals I want to point your attention to. One of them is, is going to talk about how, Having particulate in the air, so either in places where there's a lot of outdoor air pollution, and in this case it would be indoor air pollution, where you have a, a lot of mold present, the amount of particles that are in the air put us at risk of getting something like COVID. And, and this is how it happens. Let's say your, uh, you know, your close relative comes over, um, even though you guys are wearing masks, you're, you're socially distancing. Um, that person happens to sneeze, obviously the mass is gonna stop a large portion of those, those droplets. However, it's not gonna stop 100%. Those droplets are now attaching themselves to the particles that are suspended in the air. That again, by the way, mold particles are invisible inside the air. It's just, it attaches to those particles and now it can travel much further than the six feet because we have HVAC systems that constantly circulate these particles around our home. So that's one, that's one problem. The problem number two is, is your, your immune system gets weakened, right? Uh, you have all this particulate that's entering the body. Your body is fighting overtime, trying to detoxify. Now you're more susceptible to, uh, you know, getting virus exposure, bacteria, allergens, toxins, et cetera. So it's having this weakened immune system that, that you're constantly uh, battling due to the amount of exposure you're now spending at home. Because before we used to, you know, go to work, leave our houses. Uh, we, you know, primarily spend a lot of time outdoors. And right now with the pandemic, you know, people are spending more time than ever inside their home. So you have, you're getting hit with two fronts there.
0: Yeah. So basically the, you know, the virus can piggyback right on the floating particles in the air that's inside more than outside. Is that an easy way to, to throw it out there?
1: Yeah. Plus you're, you're, you know, when you're in a confined space, such as inside your house, there's a lot less volume of air, right? Than there is right. outside.
0: Right. Interesting. You know, I read something, a research a while back that showed how children ex- exposed to mold can cause lower cognitive scores than those who haven't been exposed. How does mold negatively affect the IQ of children?
1: It's a great question. I think one of the biggest things that mold, one of the number one uh, complaints I hear from, from my clients who are exposed to mold is brain fog. So IQ is about your ability to solve problems, right? How fast you can solve a problem when you're looking at it. When you have brain fog, your ability to, to even string together sentences, let alone solve a problem, is going to be severely diminished. So I think it really impacts the IQ and the aptitude of the individual when they're exposed to mold. And you'll, you know, you start to look at these studies about brain fog and how, how that in, impacts the neurological uh, components. When you start to remove yourself from the environment, these these people are having better speeches. They're, they're able, they're not slurring their words. They're not having these brain fog episodes. They're actually able to think clearly. Um, I've, I've talked to clients like six months after they've removed themselves from the environment. It's, it's a totally different person.
0: Yeah, I had a patient who uh, thought she had chronic fatigue. She was in the bed all the time. She couldn't think straight. And come to find out, she had a mold problem, and it wasn't uh, chronic fatigue. It was from breathing into the, this mold, so there's really something to it. And, uh, I mean, she would sleep 14, 16 hours, and not even when she was up, she just had no energy. Until she left the house, got it fixed, went back, now she's fine. So it was definitely mold. Let me ask you, for people listening, I know there's a lot of home kits available to test for mold. It's you can get them online, can get them at Lowe's and Home Depot. How accurate are they?
1: You know, I think they're fairly accurate. They're just very limited in what they can do. So, you know, these people have these Petri dishes, um, those home, home test kits at Home Depot. They're pretty cool. Basically, they just turn purple. If they're, if they're you know, swiped on a surface that has mold and you, you plug it back in, it'll turn purple. I mean, it's very good to say as an elementary test that, yes, I do have mold. But I think it, it's very limited in, in regards to, okay, now that I know I have mold, what do I do about it? And that's where really hiring a professional comes into play. It's When I look at remediation, and this is where a lot of people fail, you want to solve the problem. It's really hard to solve the problem without the data. So without proper testing protocols, I kind of look at it as like, imagine trying to build a house with a builder with no blueprints. You're, you're not, it's not going to go exactly the way you want it to. Will they build a house? Sure. Will you get something out of it? Absolutely. But will it be exactly what you want? I think it'd be very difficult because even with blueprints, if you've ever built the house, you still say, ah, man, wish I would have did this, wish I would have did that. So I think having the data to know exactly what you need to do so that you're not making this uh, error of opening things up when they don't need to be or missing things when they need to be opened up. I think is very, very key and vital to making sure you're successfully removing it.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, people hear mold. They go, well, I don't have any leaks. My roof's fine. Can't this mold live in the Hivac system? That's where you guys go in and explore, right? You got little cameras that go in there and you analyze weight, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so if I may, when you, when you look at mold, uh, the best comparison I can think of is it's, it's almost like a weed. Um, it, uh, it does have roots called hyphae that grow into the building materials. And it does produce uh, seeds, if you will, called spores. So just like weeds, you need to pull it from the root, otherwise it grows right back. Um, It's it's no different there. And as long as it's alive and and colonizing inside your home, it's gonna be actively producing spores. Well, here's the thing about spores. Just like weed seeds, they just need a little bit of water uh, to start to grow. And um, what happens is these, if you have a, let's say a window leak in your home, and these spores constantly get into the air. Well, guess what happens? You have your HVAC system that constantly sucks air in. It conditions it and supplies it right back out. We look at the HVAC as the lungs of the home. So when you have these spores accumulating inside your house, it's going to get to that coil, the coil of the HVAC system. That's what condensates and, and kind of pulls the moisture out of the, uh, out of the cooling process and supplies the air back out. And when that, co- when that coil condensates, it provides a, an opportunity, again, where that spore, as it lands there, has a wet environment for it to start to grow. So these HVAC systems start becoming basically contaminated in, in, in their own way and become a source thereafter.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I know we hear a lot about black mold being the one that's toxic. And I'm curious, what percentage of mold is this, this black mold that's the most toxic? Is it sl- low, low percent? You know, there's, there's one of the biggest uh, toxic
1: black molds that we've, we've heard of is called stachybotrys. That's what the media, the media would consider toxic black mold. But there's another toxigenic mold that actually kind of grows side by side with, with stachybotrys. It's called ketomium. Both, both of those molds produce mycotoxins. They are considered toxigenic molds. They are toxic. Those molds usually require more chronic leaks you know, uh, things that have been leaking for, you know, w- weeks to months at a time that just go unnoticed. Uh, you have, you know, aspergillus is, is an allergenic mold. Aspergillus typically is white in color. And that's another very common mold that produces a lot of adverse health reactions because it also can produce mycotoxins, um, which the mold itself is not toxic, but the mycotoxins are, right? So it you got to be very careful about thinking what is safe and what isn't I think the best way to, to determine what you have is to, is to identify it by doing a test to see what's present and how much And that can really you know either provide you peace of mind or provide you at least a clarity of understanding of okay what do I gotta do to get rid of this so I can make sure that it doesn't impact my health.
0: yeah speaking of what to do to get rid of it talk to us about your home detox method what does that entail All right. So we talked a
1: little bit about how there's spores present, right? And um, my industry, the mold remediation industry, and what makes me so different is it forever, it was really run by insurance companies in in regards of, okay, there's some mold on the wall, you know, open up the wall, you know, spray some bleach on it, paint it, paint the area and you're done, right? And when we look at that from a scientific standpoint, that's actually not Uh, what needs to be done to help make sure that it's not impacting the person's health. Because as that mold has been growing there, it it was producing spores that got into the environment. It also could have been producing mycotoxins. So what I've realized is we need to go far beyond just removing it into the wall. We need to test the actual environment of the home to see if there's A, mycotoxins, B, endotoxins, because endotoxins are a toxin produced by bacteria as bacteria dies off. And guess what? Some leaks can, can accompany bacteria with it. So that's another component we want to look for. And the spores, right? So we developed this robust cleaning process to clean after the source itself was removed. The The opportunity for mold to grow in the first place was rectified. Now we clean the place to ensure that you know, again, these spores aren't kicking up. They're not going inside the HVAC system. They're not circulating around the house, getting into your breathing zone and still impacting you long after the mold was gone.
0: Got it. So once people move back in, uh, do you recommend a year later, come back and make sure it's still, or are you good to go? Once you get the thumbs up from you, everything's fine?
1: Well, you know, in theory, everything's fine, but I do recommend clients like about three months thereafter when we're completed to do another MSQ PCR test, um, a, a popular name of that you may have heard of is called an ermie, and and what what that does again it just tests the dust to make sure that there's not toxic mold uh, levels creeping back up if that's the case it just means that we missed a source somewhere we have to identify it and remove it if there's no more sources in the house though those numbers should be going down and down you'll have more of the common outdoor mold migrate into the house and the toxic molds won't move the needle
0: Fantastic. We got about one minute left. Anything else that you want to share that we didn't cover today?
1: No, I think I think we did a, a great, a great job at covering a lot. And, uh, you know, we, we'd love to be in touch again.
0: Yeah, it was great information. Like I said, I think this is not talked about enough, and you really enlightened us on a topic that we need to know more about. Like you said, hey, we breathe more than we do anything. We breathe more than we eat. We breathe more than we drink. We hear about bad water. We hear about bad food. But folks, we're breathing more than we do any of that. And I have so many shows and guests coming on here talking about healthy water, healthy beverages, healthy food. This is about air, and, and it's nothing's more important than air. We die very quickly without air. We can live a little long without food and water. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. Hey, that's yep. Fair. <laughs> the book is called, let me tell you, the book is called The Mold Medic, An Expert's Guide on Mold Removal. To get your copy, go to themoldmedic.com, and to learn more about mold and the resources that Michael has available, go to allamericanrestoration.com, and you can follow Michael on Facebook at allamericanrestorationTM Restoration TM, and on Instagram at themoldmedic. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman on Instagram. I'm at Dr. D Friedman. If you heard something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com and check out our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, co-workers, and on social media. As I always say, sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and breathe well.